going in. It's too big. Size matters not. Didn't go in. So it's big. Hey, you Star Wars loving motherfuckers. Welcome to Hoth Topic. This is episode 12, and I'm your host, Chris, uh, otherwise known as Darth Dad on our main show, Sarlacc Digest. So uh, glad to be back. I had another week that I missed a recording, so I know I'm catching shit from all over the place, but I tell you what, life is just nuts when you're working six days a week, crazy-ass hours. You just don't have time to have fun. Making time, damn it. I'm going to go ahead and uh, do this, the Wife is with her friend. Uh, the girls are watching the CMA Awards. My boys are doing homework. So I'm going to go ahead and take this time to, to jump in and catch up. I've got a few things going on this week to talk about. Um, on top of some news we have and some uh, casting news for The Mandalorian, on top of going through, I'm going to go through a bit of the solo movie. As you know, if you listen to the Starlight Digest, we watched the solo movie together over the last two episodes. I'm going to go just a little bit further um, on my thoughts on Solo. I did just finish, finally, the novelization of the movie, so uh, we're going to go ahead and go through that. Also, some of our listeners, um, Caleb has sent in a, a, a retort to my last episode where I happened to mention uh, Palpatine not really being in danger in Episode 3, so we'll get into that. And Mervine48 sent me a couple questions to go ahead and go through on the show. Uh, so we'll tackle that as well. Uh, so I'm going to try, guys, to do this every two weeks again. Damn it. I'm going to try to get back on schedule, you know, hell or high water. And hopefully I'll, I'll tell you guys, you know, because you're my friends and we can keep this secret since there's only four of us, right? Um, hopefully I have a career change coming up that will uh, open up my schedule more and uh, free me up to to get these episodes back out on time again. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Don't tell nobody. But let's jump right in. This is probably going to be a quick show, and I say that it'll end up going an hour and a fucking half, but I'm, I'm probably guessing on 45 minutes or less, but shit, you know me. I'll just start rambling and going kind of like I am now, and we'll end up with an hour and a half. Uh, let's start out with the big news that popped right after we recorded our last episode of Sarlacc, so the guys haven't had a chance to talk about this. But we just got announced the uh, uh, Cassian Andor uh, standalone show will be on Disney Plus on the streaming network to go along with The Mandalorian. So right off the bat, when this network or this streaming service starts, we're going to have two shows, two live-action shows to watch. And we've waited years and years for live-action Star Wars shows, and we're going to get two of them right off the bat. Now, I know everybody's excited about it, and I am too. And I did mention in the uh, chat, and I think they were kind of shocked at it, where I said... uh Cassian is probably my least favorite Rogue One character, and I know that's probably not a popular opinion. Um, not that I'm not excited for it. I'd, I'd love to see Cassian or anybody in Rogue One have their own standoff. Just, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Guardian of the Wills, um, some stories about that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing some stuff about the Partisans. Um, but, you know, it, I'll, I'll take Cassian. This, this could work out really well. What I'm actually hoping to see is, you know, he's been in this life since he was six years old, right? So I want to see that. I want to see it kind of pop back and forth. Let's pull a This Is Us type you know, scenario and keep going back and forth, and he'll have flashbacks and go back to his youth when he was you know, doing whatever or learning how to fight, and, you know, or like Arrow was in the very beginning when they would flash back to things that made, made uh, Oliver Queen the Green Arrow. And, and let's do stuff like that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a flashback-heavy back-and-forth type thing, different parts of his life while meeting K2 and... And going on his, you know, spy assassin type uh, adventures. I'm all down for that. I'm 100% down for that. And I love that, you know, Diego Luna's coming back to do it, that we don't change actors. We've got these guys in deals, and, and they're going to go ahead and he's going to go ahead and do this show. I imagine Alan Tudyk will be there as K2. You know, I would imagine that we'd be pretty upset if we go a whole season of shows and not see him meet K2 and explain that relationship at all. Um, I'm assuming that has to happen, right? But that's exciting news for all of us. I mean, this opens the door, really, for any side character in any part of the saga to get a, a side show. You know, I would love to see, I would hope everybody would, like a Han, Lando, Chewie, a little bit of adventures there. We don't need a full 10, 12 episodes. You give me a quick, 
you know, two, three episodes of characters in adventures and doing things. And, and I'd be totally happy with that. You know, you can give me a, a quick Vader series, you know, a five episode Vader arc. I'd be cool. Give me some young Palpatine. Give me things like that. I'm totally down. I really think as Star Wars fans, true Star Wars fans, we want everything we can possibly get, right? Whether it's books, comics, cartoons, live action TV, movies. I don't think we can, you know, oversaturate if we spread out the medium, right? If, if we go through different things. If we do two, three movies a year, yeah, that's going to that's gonna kind of kill it. But if you can do TV shows, cartoons, like I said, comics, novels, and everything, and, and spread it all out and spread the lore out those different types of ways, I think that's phenomenal. And we know that a lot of people, the regular movie-going audience, is not going to watch these shows. We get it. But this is for us. This is the fan service we, we want, right? These, these are the things we need to see. So I think this opens up the door. You know, people were talking about Jabba movies or Yoda movies and all these things. I don't think we need to see a, you know, Jabba gangster movie or a Yoda prequel movie. But fuck, man. Give me, give me a five-episode arc. ten, Or you can do the 10 or 12-episode arc on these types of things. I'm okay with that. Bring Darth Maul back. We all wanted kind of a sequel to Solo. I don't know if that's going to happen, though it should. But, you know, give us that Crimson Dawn um, television show. We we can make all this stuff happen. You know, it's not it's not like any of those characters or their actors are against doing TV. Most of them have done TV or or looking for gigs and don't mind doing their their uh, their character again for Star Wars. I think this is a awesome opportunity. This Disney Plus, if it, if it pops right and these shows are good, we can see a whole lot of stuff. Just like Netflix, man. You watch Netflix. I mean, so many big actors are doing those movies on there, and you know Hulu and Amazon. Everybody has their own series going. I think this Disney Plus is going to be a huge fucking deal for Star Wars. I mean, as it is for Marvel. They've announced several Marvel uh, standalones, too. So I think this is going to be just just great for all of us. Though I'm sure we're going to find the trolls that have completely turned since December of last year, and they're going to hate it all and say Disney's fucking up Star Wars and doing everything. But you know what? We're going to fight them and go through it and tell them to fuck off on the show every single chance I get. The other uh, news having to do with the other television show, The Mandalorian, or the streaming show, Mandalorian, was if you listened to Starlight Digest this last week, I said one of the big odd things about it is we hadn't heard any kind of casting news, nothing official, that we'd seen rumors. And one of the rumors that was actually debunked and actually came true this week were Pedro Pascal, you know, famous for Game of Thrones as the Viper, um is going to go ahead and play the, I believe it was the main character in The Mandalorian. So we don't know much about the main character besides he's going to be able to fight, you know, and I think Pascal is, is perfect for this. I did say there was a picture posted again in the Sarlacc chat that we do, and I think he does have a a, a vague resemblance to a maybe older, a little bit cooler, uh, Daniel Logan. Sorry, Daniel Logan, I know you're not listening, but sorry anyway. But uh, he could kind of fall in that, clone type um, look you know I had mentioned on the show and probably this show too that I think it'd be cool if this was another clone that maybe didn't age the same way everyone else did like 99 uh, aged fast this this guy aged slow and he's he's a clone and kind of following the footsteps of Django and Boba and I think that would be awesome and I think he could fit that bill pretty well um, also Gina Carano uh, Angel Dust from Deadpool was also cast in a role. We don't know anything about what she'll be doing either. This this whole thing's been kept pretty secret, even with the behind-the-scenes photos and stuff. We don't know much about it. Um, but I do know if she doesn't make a superhero landing at some point, I'll be pretty fucking upset. But So we did get some casting news right after we bitched about it, so I'm pretty sure somebody's listening to us, damn it. And they're like, oh, Sarlacc wants to hear some casting news, so let's go ahead and put it out there. Uh, we can't disappoint the fellas, and there are four or five listeners. So now, let's talk about Solo a little bit. And I don't want to tread too much into it because we did cover it for two episodes on Sarlacc. But just my 10 cents here. Um, Just like Rogue One. Rogue One changed the way I watched Episode 4 right after I watched it. Right? I watched Rogue One. I went back and watched Episode 4 right after. And you just see things different. You see how it... you, You look at everybody just a little bit different. Especially the beginning of that movie. So after Solo, you go back and I watch the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, and damn it if it doesn't really change the way I look at Han. And I already looked at Han, you know, as a hero, as as one of my favorite characters, um, and and Chewie the same. And but watching this movie and then reading the book, 
it's uh it's it's made that even even more so and you end up having a better feel for Han and Chewie and their relationship all through the old EU and the way we all grew up we had this life debt we saw was was obviously Han had somehow saved Chewie and Chewie had this life debt and it made it to the point where he had to be with Han right and probably grew to love Han when watching the movie and reading the book you realize more this is a mutual thing and we talked about this on Sarlacc but it comes up in the, in the book too how at that point when Han and Chewie separate for a minute on Kessel and Han is at first maybe a little frustrated but Chewie has to go this way and that way and Han starts thinking wow you know Chewie has family he has people he has something to live for and fight for something that Han doesn't have and he appreciates that and that's why he gives him the electro staff you know and then when Han runs out to help Lando get L3 and Chewie you know tells the other Wookiees that he has to go he basically says the human needs me and he sees this human that's helped other people that you know obviously has nobody else is looking for somebody and Chewie has decided really on his own not as a life debt but as a a point that he thinks Han needs him and he's going to be there and this life debt I'm sure goes both ways I think we realize that after reading the newer books uh, the new canon anytime somebody says oh you're Wookiee to Han, he'll get so mad. He's like, he's not my Wookiee. He's my partner. You know, everything's 50-50. And it's not like there's some kind of debt that has to be paid. It's just that they're so close. Um, and after so many years, even to the uh, sequel trilogy, they're so close that the, the life debt is just taking on a different meaning than we've ever thought of, been used to, or um, had in our own headcanon or anything in the EU. Now, I also look at... Uh, Han and Lando, just a little bit different, and, and even with Chewie there. And when we see them in Empire, I just love the fact that when we first meet them, the first thing Lando does, it goes up and does that fake like he's going to swing at him and punch him, and Han goes back like he's going to you know dodge it or fight, and he looks shocked. And they throw that, and they throw that into Solo where Han does the same thing to him. And I think that's just awesome how they do that. And now that I, when I watch Empire... It's like, oh, shit, Lando's just doing that because Han did that to him, you know, some odd years ago. Was, what would it have been 15 years ago or so um, prior when they met? Um, I think that's awesome for that, that throwback there. Um, when I hear the I love you and I know, I know Lando's in there and hears that. And I'm, I just it just changes the way I'm like, I'm sure that flashes back through Lando's head at this point, you know, and how cool is that? When Lando says something, you know, what have you done to my ship? It's more personal now, right? Because it was his ship. He loved his ship. And now L3 is in that ship. L3 is part of that ship. Um, that's made a big deal out of it. I'll get to that in a second um, in the book. You know, the whole part about, hey, you lost her to me fair and square. You know, when they say that in Solo and make sure that they know um, that it was a, a fair deal that Lando had won the first match of Sabacc by cheating and, and Han came out and beat him fair and square and they make that point. Um, what I'd like to know at some point when Chewie growls at, at Han and Han says, well, I'm sure he's forgotten all about that by now. I wonder, I don't think that was quite about taking the Falcon. I do want to see, like I said, if there's a standalone show or another book or something, let's explain that part. I feel like there's something else there, either to do with a woman or something that Lando would be upset about, not just the Falcon. I'd hate to think that they don't really see each other from solo until empire i'm sure there's something in between else that that uh that has gone on that's transpired now to kind of touch on the l3 part l3 is kind of one of those characters that was kind of controversial a lot of people didn't like l3 and i'm not i don't really understand that i loved l3 i think l3 was great i'm all for the sentient droids you know i i see 3po is very sentient and having feelings in r2 and i don't see them as slaves or appliances or anything like that i see them almost as people right they're main characters in these stories k2 quite the same way and here we go now with um with l3 and she just wants to fight for droid rights do you think it's political sure it could be whatever who gives a fuck right it's all political all star wars is political but the character itself um i think she was fantastic in the movie i think her relationship with lando and how lando was so close to her um, it kind of explains why later on in the canon he's a droid impresario and he does a lot with droids and he knows a lot about droids because um, he spent a lot of time obviously with L3 and cared a lot about L3. And with L3 now, she helps change my view of the original trilogy and the sequels a ton 
because now every time we see the Falcon, we know that L3 has been integrated into the mind, into the computer of the Falcon. She's part of the Falcon now. She's bigger than she was before. She's she's uh, now a main character throughout. We'll see her always that way now. So think about Empire when Han's looking for a place to hide and it pops up. Oh, that's interesting. Lando. You know, was that L3 that decided, hey, let's go see Lando. Lando will help us. Uh, was that the Falcon's decision or was Han just happened to scroll through his little Rolodex there in the Falcon's cockpit and it popped up randomly? I like to think now that we know L3 is in there. It was L3 kind of making that push, making that happen and sending them to Bespin to see Lando. When 3PO says, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it has a very unusual dialect. I, uh, now I hear that I when I'm going to hear 3PO saying that, I'm going to think he's talking to L3. Right, that he's trying to communicate with, with L3 this whole time, and she's being a bitch to him. Uh, in the books, now they talk about how the Falcon has three droid brains in it, and they all hate 3PO, but one of them specifically likes R2 because this droid brain has a predilection for, uh, was it dirty jokes and adult gossip, and that's what R2 feeds it. And that obviously was already set in stone that that was going to be L3, and that was part of our theorizing prior to Solo coming out, that, that was L3 was going to be part of that ship somehow. What's cool in the book is when uh, they decide to plug in L3, L3 has a conversation with Lando through the basically the speakers in the Falcon, and is kind of getting at him, and they're going back and forth, but he's saying how it's the only way they, that he could have saved her, and she's mad that she's kind of now a slave again, and has to do you know anybody else is a human's bidding all these things um but ends up kind of accepting her fate and saying this is tolerable um now that she's got more uh computer power more memory more all this stuff she she can be more than she was before and help out more in a different way now and i think that was huge of her accepting to be part of the falcon but that's probably why the falcon's testy at times and doesn't work and decides to do quirky things or Han has to hit it to wake it up you know I think a lot of that is just L3 attitude and that's what Lando was hoping is that she would keep some of her we'll just say spunk um, when she integrated in and I think that's what we see now and then when I watch the original trilogy and the sequels and every time whether it's Ray, Han, Lando, Chewie whoever is flying in the Falcon now I know they're interacting with L3 and I think that's just a a neat thing they did in Solo, and I, what I do in these stand, what they do in these standalone movies, is they make the ones that came before but come after in the timeline um, just a little bit different. That you get to see things different. They open things up, and it we get to see the original stuff and then even the newer stuff in new ways that we never thought we'd see or we never thought of before. And I think that's what's what's awesome. That's why I love these standalone movies, and I hope they keep doing them. And I do hope that the we'll call it a failure, but the lack of a billion-dollar movie doesn't stop them from doing these because I think they're fantastic for the fans. I think, you know, once we get the salty-ass people out and other people will stop being, you know, sheep and listening to the fucking Internet and, you know, to Rotten Tomatoes and to all these Internet warriors, once they stop doing that and have minds of their own and actually give things a shot, they're going to dig it. Because just about everybody I know that's actually watched it after the fact, they didn't watch it in the theater, but they've watched it on Blu-ray or they've watched it streaming or they watched it whatever, um, they've dug it, everybody, and they probably should have seen it in the theater. And we'd be talking about getting a, a solo sequel or at least another standalone movie quickly hereafter. We'd be talking about it already. But again, in the world we live in, the Internet rules and people decide to say and do what they want and it's a real drag and it's it's done things to people that I know love Star Wars a lot of the uh, Instagram pages we follow including Star Wars lore master just yesterday has decided to remove his account because he's just tired of fighting with all these trolls right I know a lot of our, our other friends on Instagram and, and in the Star Wars community have really stopped communicating you've seen that I've stopped communicating on the Sarlacc and the Hoth Topic pages a lot of us are just really tired of fighting. Um, we'd like to be around like-minded people. Um, not saying we all agree, because if you listen to Sarlacc, we, we disagree all the time. We don't have to like the same things. We don't have to have the same theories. We don't have to see things the same way. But we can get along because we all love Star Wars. But there's just some people that are just so full of hate, and they can't see, you know, I've said it a million times on the show, is beyond their own nose um, to see things differently and, and get out of their own headcanon. 
Um, and they ruin it for everybody else. And then negativity, they just throw that negativity, and I'm still seeing it almost a year later, still bitching, still bitching um, about shit going on. Yeah, I went off track there, but, you know, that's what I do. But anyway, the L3 story and how it goes and Lando's relationship with, with L3 and now L3 being part of the Falcon and kind of a partner with Han and Chewie at this point. And then when Lando gets to fly her again in Return of the Jedi, everything's just so different to me. So I, I do love that, and I, I hope they keep going for it. Now, another thing we talked about on Sarlacc, but Scott wouldn't spoil it for me because he knew that I wasn't done with the book yet, was the piece about Enfys Nest. And I had mentioned in there that I don't think that, because Ernie thought she was part of the Rebel Alliance and had started the rebellion. And, you know, my, my thing is, no, that was Bail Organa and, and Mon Mothma, and the, their guys were the real Rebel Alliance, but they had help, you know, um, from other places. And there were other Rebel cells, like Saw's Partisans, and that's what I was hoping she was more like. You know, we see two tubes in there, so it kind of leads us towards that saw partisan thing. Well, I'm going to tell you now, and if you don't want to hear it, blank me out for the next minute. But the uh, epilogue is about Enfys Nest showing up and seeing Saw Gerrera. Uh, They're making a, a deal. He's supposed to be there by himself. Uh, she brings the coaxium, and she hears a noise and gets mad that he's actually brought somebody with him to make this deal. Um, she says, by the way, that there's enough coaxium here to power a fleet. And this would really get him going, right? And it turns out the noise they made is his ward, Jin. And she was all of 11 years old at this point. So what a neat tie-in to know that, you know, it's six degrees to Han Solo, really, here, right? So we, he knows Emphis Nest. He helps Emphis Nest. Emphis Nest goes to Saul. Saul <clears throat> has Jin with him. Jin sees Emphis Nest. Um, they have a, a conversation about toughening up and all this stuff and saw saying how she has to learn how to fight and all these things at a very young age and, and what the galaxy's like. So it was just a neat tie in and kind of went to what I was hoping to see is that Enfys Nest was part of, or at least helping saw's partisans and that fit right into my head cannon. So they are doing a lot of things. I do think they listen to the show just because we say shit like that all the time. So, but it worked out, you know, perfectly there. Again, we get back to those novelizations, and everybody says, oh, it should have been in the movie, or this and that. Well, there's no real room in that for the movie, but it was a real... If, if they did an after-credit scene, but I know that's not Star Wars style, that would have been a perfect after-credit scene. But these books just add so much, and you get to get in their heads and, and get little extra bits and little extra pieces, and if you're not reading them or listening to them or anything, you're really missing out. Um, I know everybody thinks, I should be able to watch a movie and enjoy it, and you can. You absolutely can. But these novelizations and the extra books and the extra canon are, are just awesome seasoning to an already, already cool meal. So check that out. But yeah, Emphis Nest um, being part of Saw's Parsons or at least helping them out was a huge, huge reveal in the novelization. Now I did tell you, I was going to go by this episode pretty fast and we are cooking. We're only at like 22 minutes, 23 minutes. So we're going to jump into our, listener comments and then a uh, voice clip from another listener so let's start with mervine 48 uh, he asked two questions one would we be down with an alternate universe for star wars um and he used an example of uh leia going to the dark side or han never meeting chewy if you go back to the old eu they did have books i think they were called uh visionaries um, it had things like that, right? I believe that's where we saw Darth Maul come back for the first time with his uh, robotic, like, spider legs, things like that. So we have, there's precedence for it. Would I be down with it? Like, it wouldn't be canon, obviously. I'd be okay with it if it was in, like, a, a comic form or uh, animated shorts, things like that. I'd be totally okay with that. Um, as you know, if you're a listener, and I know you are, uh, Mervine48, uh, we went through a whole thing where I was digging on uh, a Darth princess where I thought it'd be cool to see Leia uh, dark. And again, there's precedent for that. And I'd be okay with it in short story form, um, seeing what would have happened if they have shows like that. What would have happened if Han didn't meet Chewie? Would he have been a complete mess? What if Chewie went back and freed his planet earlier, um, not in like the Aftermath series like like we've read? Things like that. I'd be okay with that. Um, alternate alternate realities where uh, Django didn't have a kid and we never had Boba Fett, what would have happened? Or um, if Han didn't drop his cargo, if, you know, Luke had told the droids basically, or if he had uh, 
giving the droids up, things like that. It's um, I'm okay with it. I'd, I'd be down with it as a comic, as a fun thing to see, just to give you a different viewpoint of what could have happened. Kind of like It's a Wonderful Life, uh, and that would be okay with me. But obviously nothing in canon, just alternate universe. I don't want it to become like DC and Marvel where you have to follow four different sets of books or anything like that to keep up. Um, but I'd be okay with just a, a fun set of series or animated shorts, absolutely. The other question or comment I thought was pretty cool was asking about Plagueis. And if Plagueis's thing about um, stopping death wasn't actually talking about not dying, but more of um, becoming a force ghost, and would it be maybe the first force ghost? And how would that work out if that's what he was actually working on, that's what he figured out before anybody else? Now, I don't think that part about being the first Force Ghost would work. Um, we know in the EU, and it hasn't been established in Canada, that the Force Ghost piece was more of a Jedi thing. We did see how Yoda learned how to be. We didn't see so much how Qui-Gon actually learned it the first time or how Obi-Wan learned it from Qui-Gon. But we did see how Yoda kind of learned more about the Force um, in the Clone Wars and becoming a Force Ghost. Um, so where I might not think that piece of the first force ghost might be right i do think it's different than just staying in your own body and living forever and being immortal i think it's more like the old bane books where bane was transferring consciousness from his body to another host and it was kind of alluded to that xana was the new host of bane in the end of the bane trilogy or that at least it could have been and as you've heard uh my theories about the dark side and Snoke and the Emperor and how I think the dark side, whoever first, like maybe the first Sith learned how to cheat death by transferring its, its consciousness or even if it was Bane the first time, that I think the consciousness of this Force entity or someone's essence goes from host to host, making the next Sith stronger and going to a next strongest host to, to make it more powerful and maybe encompassing everyone before it. So, like, say, for example, if Snoke has this Force entity in him, it would include Sidious, it would include Plagueis, it would include everybody before them, the the actual Masters, back through Bane or before, um, making this newest um, Sith more powerful. And I think that that's part of that. Maybe not a Force ghost, but a Force entity. But if we did go the Force ghost route, um, there was... You know, artwork done for The Force Awakens where there was Sith ghosts, or it might have, might have been for Last Jedi either way, where they were kind of red and you saw Anakin or Vader as a red Force ghost. And that could be maybe Plagueis' thing of, of trying to find that Jedi power of, of coming back from the dead, um, coming back from, you know, the Force and, and making themselves uh, corporeal like Obi-Wan does, like Yoda does, and, and things like that. I think that that could be, and maybe he was just trying to be the first Sith to learn how to do that. I'd, I'd be okay with that. Um, but I think it's more of a um, essence transfer is what Plagueis was trying to do, and, and maybe even transferred into Sidious um, back when Sidious killed him. And, and still to my theory, that's what we see at the end of Return of the Jedi when that blue force comes out, that blue energy comes out. That's that, that's that um, entity leaving Sidious and looking for its new host. That's what I think. That's what I like to think anyway. And it didn't go to Vader because Vader was no longer a Sith at this point, right? Vader had turned back uh, to the light side and was good. So it just it shot out of the Death Star looking for its next host and found Snoke is, is exactly how I see that. Or found someone else in between and Snoke was the one after and there was a middleman in between Sidious and Snoke that we haven't seen yet. You know, there's 30, 30 years in between um, and people knew Snoke and, and underestimated him and all these things. So... There could have been a time where it wasn't Snoke and it became Snoke, and we'll hear that story again, oh, or again, for the first time, somewhere in a, in a book, a comic, or a standalone TV show, for all we know. But uh, thank you so much for uh, sending uh, the questions in or the comments in and having me tackle it or just discuss it. I know maybe it wasn't as deep as we could have went on it, but I think hopefully those answers you know, uh, suffice and... And uh, I, I love getting feedback from people and, and questions and, and having discussion around it. We could probably go a little further if, if you want to retort to it or, or rebut to it or have more questions. Shoot them my way, man. I'll hit them next week, too. Um, because next week, we're actually going to be on hiatus on Sarlacc. 
and I'm going to try and do some catch up and do an extra show or two of Hoth Topic and tackle a few other things. You know, maybe keep, maybe keep the episodes a little shorter, but put out a few um, over the next three weeks and get them out there in a little more Star Wars discussion and get into some things, you know, work willing. Now, our next piece here comes from Caleb. You've uh, heard Caleb on our show. He was uh, a guest, my comments from last week. So let's go ahead and get that started. And before I do it, any resemblance to any celebrity voice here is purely coincidental. And uh, you'll know what I mean when you hear it. All right, trying this again. I'm standing up to Hoth Topic. I'm standing up to the Lore Master. Got some things to say. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how, how this goes. Uh, I'm responding, of course, to your uh, Revenge of the Chris episode. Uh, I'm glad to see you back. Um, in there, you were talking about uh, episode three and uh, how much you loved the last half, and which I agree, beautiful, beautiful last half of the movie. Um, and specifically, I'm talking about the, the part where you're talking about the fight between Emperor Palpatine and Mace Windu. By the way, this might be a multiple-part voice recording. I don't know how long Facebook will let me ramble. But so, uh, in it, you say that you believe that Emperor Palpatine was in no danger at all from Mace Windu. And so, I, uh, I got some disagreements with that. I'll break it down over the next couple clips. So, uh, see you on the next one. Alright, so, why I believe Emperor Palpatine was in some danger there. Why he was gambling with his life a little bit. Mace Windu was, of course, a practitioner of the seventh form of lightsaber combat, known as Juyo. Um, specifically, he invented a, a state of mind rather than a fighting style, he called it, called Vapad, which allowed him to channel an opponent's aggression and dark side energy to fuel his own battle prowess. Juyo was already said to be so aggressive that it could overwhelm any single opponent in combat. Because of this, it was limited to who was allowed to learn it and uh, uh, proceed forward with it um, by the Jedi Council. Now we know, of course, that Palpatine was overconfident, and I believe that when he made this plan to try to use this to bring uh, Anakin around, he was in that mode of overconfidence, even even then, not even when he was ruling for so many years. Um, he was so powerful as a dark side user and putting out so much dark side energy, I think that would have increased Mace Windu's uh, battle prowess a very significant amount. And I think that had Mace been a little bit more cold-hearted maybe if he had um been swinging exclusively for the kill not to bring him in battle may have gone differently so uh yeah that's uh, that's how i feel i feel that palpatine was, was gambling a little bit there he was taking the gambit um mace windu was of course trying to bring him in have him stand trial and i think that uh, that mercy is uh what won the day for Palpatine I think had Mace been swinging to kill I think it would have been a, a, a much different series that we saw alright so there you have it I love when somebody has a, a, a differing opinion than me that we could discuss and I would love to have, to have a live discussion uh, going I wish I could do phone calls if my schedule permitted and we can just have a back and forth discussion but you gave enough good points there where I think I can rebut back um, yes, Windu is very powerful. I think that's even mentioned, I know that's even mentioned, um, in, in the prequels when Anakin says, you know, as powerful as Master Windu, um, we know that, right? Now, uh, Vapod, yes, he is a master of that. He does use the seventh form. That's a lot of EU stuff though, right? We haven't really established that in canon. We also know that in EU, Windu has, uh, the, the ability to see their shatter point with um, everybody's weakness, and he can hit that, and that's why he's so powerful. That's why he was able to take Django out right on his throat. That's why pretty much anything he sees, he can destroy because he knows their weakness. He can see it through the Force. But that's all EU stuff. Uh, Vapod is canon. Um, not as much background as we had in the old EU. Um, we do know that he's super powerful. We know that he can take on just about anybody. I get that. We've seen it in the uh, Clone Wars cartoons. We've we've um, known enough about him in the prequels to, to know that piece. What I'm saying is, though, Palpatine is 
more powerful. Palpatine knew what was going on. Palpatine foresaw all of this like he did in Jedi, and he knew what was going to happen in Return of the Jedi besides, obviously, Vader turning on him. He puts things into motion. He puts plans into motion, and he plays the long game. When they all came in, you know, when he came in with a with Kit Fisto and a set of uh, Jedi Masters, you know, he Palpatine didn't go straight for him. Palpatine went and killed all the other three in seconds. Masters, not apprentices, not Padawans, not you know, just regular Jedi anything. He straight went after Jedi Masters and sliced them in seconds, right, leaving Mace Windu for last. I think this was on purpose because he knew one Anakin really had ill feelings towards Windu. We see that in Episode One. Um, episode one, when Windu says, no, he will not be trained, you can see um, little dark side, you know, little boy Anakin stare him down. And right then, in 1999, I knew that Anakin would be the undoing of, of Mace Windu. And throughout the, the trilogy, um, it's always Windu versus Anakin when it comes down to things, right? Windu's the one that doesn't trust him. Windu's the one that holds things back. Windu's the one even tells him, You'll have earned my trust. The dude's been there for over a fucking decade, and he hadn't earned his trust yet. I think that was the the plan of Palpatine, was to have Windu there, um, ready to strike him down so Anakin would make that turn, because he doesn't trust uh, Wind, uh, Mace. So had that been Yoda or anybody else, this plan wouldn't have worked. But since Mace Windu was there, this is why he, he played this on, knowing Anakin was on the way, knowing that um, Anakin didn't, like or distrusted Mace Windu and the feeling was mutual, I think that's what he played on. And I think knowing that Sidious is this powerful... Now, let's go back to the Clone Wars real fast. You mentioned Vapod, right? That Darth Maul also practices the same form. uh, Sidious handles Darth Maul quite fine uh, in the Clone Wars. Handles him and his brother at the same time. I don't think Sidious was in any real danger, and I still stand by that. He may have been gambling a little bit, and I kind of like that that term, the gamble. Like, is this, is is it going to pay off or not? I, I think he kind of knew it would. I think he could handle himself. I think when he did lose his lightsaber uh, to Windu, that's one thing. But it was just a a minor setback. He still had his force lightning. He could have thrown. He could have done several different things. I think the force lightning was just holding him back, really, until Anakin came in the room. I think he could have took him out any time. And when he was getting it shot back at him and he's acting all old and feeble and hurt and telling Anakin, he's, oh, no, don't let him kill me. Uh, you know, the Jedi, they're trying to kill me. All this stuff, it's all, we all know it's an act. But it was a complete act at that point. Because his ass, right when, when Dewey gets his hand chopped off, just jumps up with the unlimited power thing and shoots him out the window and hops his ass right up off that ledge. No limping, no messing around, nothing. He gets up and throws his robe on. Not even out of breath, right? He knew exactly what was going to happen. I think uh, Sidious, had he wanted to, could have killed them all, but that wasn't what he needed. He needed Anakin to come in and help and and be part of it and and to see Mace Windu, the, the Jedi Master, number two on the council behind Yoda, right, attacking him. Um, taking advantage. You even mentioned that Windu uh, wanted to take him in. No, Windu didn't want to take him in. Anakin's the one trying to say we need he needs to stand trial, and Windu's saying he's too dangerous to be kept alive, just like Sidious had said earlier to Anakin um, regarding Dooku, right? So I I still think it was all a plan. I I get your point about how powerful Windu is. I uh, some of the stuff in there though is EU. I I still buy it because I like my head cannon too. Um, I don't like to think that he didn't have the shatter point ability and all that stuff, but I it's, call it all canon. Say it's all canon. I still saw Sidious take out Darth Maul with, you know, hardly any effort and, and no problem. So now, now I know obviously that Windu's more powerful than Maul, but it was Maul and his brother the same fighting style, um, dual lightsaber, you know, notwithstanding, it, it's. I I think it was all a ploy. It was all a plan, and it had to be exactly that way. That's why he killed the other Jedi Masters first. He left Windu. He let that fight go on. He got it to where it was. He put himself in a vulnerable position, but protected. Right? He was never in any real danger. He just waiting for Anakin to walk in that door. He could sense Anakin. He'd become close to Anakin. He he knew everything about Anakin. He knew his dreams. He knew everything. Hell, he'd planted half that shit in his head, I'm sure. So... That was exactly what he was waiting for. He needed that part. He needed Anakin to be the one to stop it, to see it, to fight, um, to be the cause of 
cause or part of the cause of Mace Windu's death, and that way it was his, you know, his chance to turn right then, you know, to see that the Jedi are evil. The one he distrusted the most was actually attacking his friend, um, taking away the one chance he had at saving Padme. All this stuff, I think it was all a plan. I, I still stand by the fact that Palpatine was in no real danger. As much as I love Mace Windu, I don't think uh, the badass motherfucker was going to take out Palpatine. Now, with that said, I didn't realize you had sent me a second voice clip. So I'm going to go ahead and put that on and let's jump on that. All right, Chris, this time I'm not coming out of you. I'm actually going out after, again, somebody that I uh, I read something on uh, social media. It was a while ago. They said that Obi-Wan Kenobi was not that great of a Jedi, that he was more uh, strategic and had better plans, but he wasn't that powerful. I'm saying that person is dead wrong. And, uh, you know, I got a couple reasons. My first thing is going based entirely off of movies, because I haven't seen all the TV shows yet, but entirely off of movies, Obi-Wan Kenobi has the most decisive victories versus Sith Lords than any other character in the franchise. Darth Maul in Episode 1, Darth Vader in Episode 3. And he's the only person to on-screen defeat Darth Vader in single combat. So there's that. Um, So I'm going to come back at you. Part two with some more stuff. All right, here we are. Part two, why Obi-Wan Kenobi is uh, is a great Jedi, a very powerful Jedi. Two, and uh, we know that uh, Anakin Skywalker is said to be one of the most uh, raw, potentially powerful Jedis um, around. Um, so we, we can assume that his ability to do things like force push would be relatively powerful, or strong force push. Obi-Wan Kenobi is able to match him push for push in their duel on in episode three. Now you can say this or that or whatever. Anakin wasn't you know trying that hard or whatever, but he does match him push for push. And so that's just raw power. He's able to match him. So uh, I'm gonna come back with a part three. Well, I don't think anyone would uh, debate Obi-Wan Kenobi's ability to make a plan and stick to that plan and then improvise that plan as need be and come out on top. Um, in, just, in just raw battle prowess, he was able to uh, defend against General Grievous, who we know was a, a very dangerous uh, uh, swordsman. Uh, he was able to go toe-to-toe with Count Dooku. Um, and he was really... You know, a uh, uh, scary guy. I mean, four lightsabers. Not a lot of people can do that. Obi Wan Kenobi was specifically chosen to go against uh, Grievous because of his skill with a lightsaber. So I just think that he's an all-around. He's a pretty awesome Jedi, and nobody can change my mind. And I'd like to hear your thoughts. So yeah. Right on. Hey, you know what? Whoever said Obi Wan Kenobi is not a great Jedi is a chucklehead and needs to be smacked in the fucking head. Because Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I think I've mentioned, I know I've mentioned this before in all the shows, is basically the ultimate good in all of the movies, right? He's the only one that never really falters, um, has a chance to go to the dark side all the time, has been through so much shit as a Jedi, more than Anakin, more than anyone, right? He has to lose, he loses his master early on. Um, He fights everybody, like you mentioned, right? He has to go up against everyone. He loses his brother basically in Anakin um, during that fight, you know, after that fight. He's chosen to go after him and knowing that he had to kill him and he had to make that decision. Um, He stays on Tatooine for 19 years um, looking after Luke and protecting Luke and there are stories about that too and how he took care of him and, you know, uh, there's just so many chances for him to turn back. I know I did this a little bit in the episode where I talked about him versus Maul and their characters kind of mirroring each other, opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, that type of thing. I don't think there's any denying that Obi-Wan Kenobi is a fucking badass. Um, Did he get handled by Dooku a little bit? Yeah, twice. But Dooku, obviously we knew was a a different swordsman, an excellent swordsman and one of the the best there too. Um, But yeah, he stood his ground against Anakin, like you said, the, the, the raw power he has. Um, he may not be the chosen one, but he could stand toe-to-toe with Anakin, who at this point we think is the probably the most powerful Force user uh, there was. Um, and the Clone Wars kind of played that out well for us. Um, taking on Grievous, and Grievous, if we went by just uh, Clone Wars, uh, the, the miniseries, we know Grievous is a monster. 
Uh, we know he's taken down Jedi, several Jedi at a time. And yeah, he stood toe to toe with him. Who else was going to jump down and say hello there, surrounded by droids with Grievous there, no backup, no anything, and get ready to take him on? Nobody, right? Episode one, when you're watching that and how cocky he is with everything and just says, we'll handle this, um, and takes the droids out, hardly blinking. When he goes and fights Darth Maul after Qui-Gon is killed, that's one of the coolest. If that fight had gone for five or ten minutes like the episode three, it would probably be the best duel in, in the series, just Obi-Wan versus Maul. Forget the Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan versus Maul, just Obi-Wan versus Maul. That that flash of, of quick lightsaber duels, the, the best thing we had seen in the movies, obviously up to that point easily. Um, blocking behind his back, flipping around, doing everything. They, the, that fight was phenomenal. And for him to to defeat Darth Maul, again, uh, a very powerful Force user, assassin, Sith Lord, what have you, um, at a very young age, that was fantastic. For him to defeat Anakin in Episode 3 was awesome. To take on Vader in Episode 4 and sacrifice himself shows how strong he was, um, knowing that he could help better by sacrificing himself. Everything about Obi-Wan and every chance, you know, losing Satine, uh, losing his, you know, his, like I said, his brother, watching Padme, who was close to him, die, um, protecting the kids, losing Qui-Gon, everything. He could have turned to the dark side so many times, but he was always the ultimate good, the the powerful Jedi, the one they went to, like you said, to go get Grievous. Yoda sends him to go get Anakin, knowing that that's going to be the hardest trial he could possibly go through. All of these things. No, I whoever said Obi-Wan is not a, a great Jedi is a... A complete jackass, and I would I would go off online uh, for days about that. But no, I don't think there was any question in my mind. Uh, I'd put him right up there with anybody, you know, and give him a few more years. Had the Jedi Council been around and the Jedi not been destroyed by Order sixty six, he'd have been leading that council. You know, when Yoda's time was up, it would have been Obi Wan in charge there, not Windu, not anyone else. It would have been Obi Wan eventually leading that council without a doubt in my mind. So, you know what, thank you for that. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I appreciate both voice clips. Uh, I love it. Um, we're talking, we want to get you on the show soon. We're Like I said, we're taking a, a little sabbatical for the holidays, coming back in December. So hopefully we can get with you and, and, and bring you on and have you on with the crew. Obviously, you know, the listeners can tell, and I know that you know a ton about Star Wars, and, uh, you know, you're, you're a great conversationalist with it, and, and we'd love to have, on, have you on and, and uh, get your viewpoints. So we'll be talking to you soon and have you there. So with that said, um, that's going to bring us to a close of this episode, episode 12 of Hot Topic. Just over 45 minutes. I pretty much nailed that. So I got one thing right today. So until next time. We'll see you in hell. What I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request. Make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing, and we have a backstory? And but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks and yeah, and, yeah. Well, what about I like it. Maybe instead of you know doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe. Ooh he can you know just record a promo for us sometime do you think i, I mean we I, might have to like raise some money we can do a kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like robert england and you know sure, just, sure. just all kinds of actors and and i think people will do that i think sure why not well you know what? i don't know maybe we're overthinking this whole thing how about if we just tell people where to find us i like that you can find us at 
who will survive on itunes stitcher on the legion podcast network and on the raw live and unedited podcasting network also on facebook and instagram under the same name oh wait can we do it underwater uh, with piranhas killing me that would kind of be brutal and if that doesn't work then you can do the regular promo all right well just get in the water and i'll go get some fish all right cool Join the Nerds with Attitude podcast each week, now part of the Raw Live Unedited Network, featuring the Nerds with Attitude podcast. Covering pop culture nerd news. TV shows. Movies. Comics. No! And toys! Also, listen to Nerd Tunes with Scott and Kevin. Movie reviews with President Rob. Kevin interviews. And more. And remember, keep it nerdy. Kevin interviews. Nope, that's the show about cats. I talk to cats. In a world with far too many Star Wars podcasts comes one more Star Wars podcast. The Sarlacc Digest, a bi-weekly show covering Star Wars news, toys, book reviews, fan theories, and new canon discussion. All wings report in. Join the Sarlacc Digest hosts as they bring you knowledge and lore. Man, whenever the Yuzon Vong dropped the moon on Chewbacca's head, I shed a tear, dude. What? Not Cannon. Jason and Jaina Solo. Why is it so hard for everybody to understand? The passion. So when Luke took off Vader's helmet, you could just see the sadness going in, the lighting and the, and the tears forming, and it's just, the soundtrack just starts raising, and uh, then... You know it's a movie, right? What? The fandom. Okay, so I have my Darth Vader camping chair for the line, my brand new exclusive Luke and Leia vans, my Star Wars pop vinyl wristband that I just got. Oh, oh did I tell you that I was going to get my next... Uh... And the collecting world. I got the orange carded figures... I got the green card. I got the red card. Okay, do you have circles on hand? No circles, half circle? Half circles? Half circle. You got Palpatine Blue Saber? I do, and the barge. What the f***? No, not the barge. The Sarlacc Digest, bringing you line talk and digesting Star Wars topics over a thousand years. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're proud members of the RLU, Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Find us, rawlivepod.com. Uh, Pigs and Flicks is uh, part of the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network, which means you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or the listening platform of your choice. Or you can go directly to rawlivepod.com. Yay!